Welcome to the Hurricane Center podcast, produced by the Storm Science Network and part of the National Tropical Weather Conference. This podcast is made possible by USAA, the South Padre Island Convention and Tourist Bureau, and Plylock's Hurricane Clips. We're going to be uh, having a great conversation with Vitas uh, today. Vitas is the Emmy Award-winning Chief Meteorologist uh, for the CBS 12 newscast in West Palm Beach, uh, uh, Florida, at the 5, 5.30 and 11 p.m. newscasts. Yeah, he is new to uh, Florida, coming from Baltimore, Maryland, where he spent 15 years as Chief Meteorologist uh, at WBFF Fox 45. Uh, before that, Vetus worked at the Sinclair Broadcast Group's new Central Weather Operations in Maryland, which produced weather forecasts for several television markets across uh, the country. So welcome, Vetus. It's good to have you here. Yes, thank you very much. It's good to see you guys again. I've seen you at many uh, places before, back in the day in our conference days. We had some good times back then, but uh, definitely happy to be here today. Yeah, we. I think we first met uh, at the 2008 Bahamas Weather Conference. Uh, that was the first one I went to when I was, was director, and I, I I yes. gave you a bunch of lip about the correct spelling of our last name. <laughs> you, you are very, you're very good natured about it, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's either the EED or it's going to be EID, one or the other, but somehow we're related. <laughs> you know, the REED is the most common. The REID is second and mine. The READ is the, is the third. There's a small segment where they add an E on the end. Those are, those must be the elitists in our, in our <laughs> yeah, <family. exactly. laughs> uh, So tell me about uh, your tropics experience working in Baltimore. Well, you know, it's interesting because uh, before I was in Baltimore, I worked over in Indianapolis uh, and then before that, Fort Wayne, Indiana. But I lived in the Indiana area for a while. I'm originally from um, Michigan, so I'm a Midwesterner. So we don't get that tropical uh, flow coming off of Lake Michigan. But nonetheless, what we do get is the winter flow and uh, a lot of cold weather and snow. But uh, moving to the East Coast, uh, it was interesting because forecasting in those areas, uh, we have the mountains to the west, we have the Chesapeake Bay and the central area where Baltimore is kind of located there. And then you get to the eastern shore, it's flat, you know, and it leads you out to the ocean coastline. So you have an ocean city out there, the, the New Jersey uh, coastline, and then you get the Delaware line heading out to Virginia and the North Carolina region. But it's quite interesting to forecast for that area, um, especially dealing with tropical systems. Uh, my first experience with a pretty good tropical storm that went through Maryland and the Chesapeake Bay area was uh, a tropical storm Isabel that pushed up into the area. And back in 2003, I remember I had just moved really actually to Baltimore area. And that was quite interesting to see the devastation that that brought into the Chesapeake Bay and into Baltimore and areas along the Potomac Basin up around the Susquehanna River and these areas. But one of the things that was quite interesting that stood out to me that I learned from that storm was the storm surge forecast. Uh, so being that you're living there in kind of a little bit of a point and you have these areas that are normally flowing out of the mouth of the Chesapeake Bay, I was seeing all this water that's pushing up and the forecast had about uh, about eight to 10 foot storm surge, but we got about 12 foot uh, because as beyond that, there was a slosh factor that I start learning about that while that storm was well to the north, still spinning around in northern portions of New York state heading into Canada, the sun was out over Baltimore, but we're still getting 
amazing amounts of flooding going on in the inner harbor because of the still that slosh factor, extra three to four foot on top of what was forecasted for storm surge. So I really uh, had uh, learned a lot about flooding and uh, storm surge and uh, the slosh factor and the, and how that can really inundate. Also with high tide, low tide, all of that, how that really plays out with uh, affecting flooding in an area. The entire downtown was flooded. Yeah, that, uh, I worked as a bell at the Hurricane Center as a, they brought me in to help brief on that. And uh, I think uh, one of the things that I took away, it was a great example for me to try to convince people a, a lot along the Gulf Coast and Florida, the, the, a lot, they don't get a lot of trees come down in the low end tropical storm force winds, but the, the huge forest trees uh, in the mid Atlantic and Northeast, uh, they were, they were falling down like crazy in 40 to 45 knots of wind and power was going out everywhere. And, as a reminder as to why we call that a tropical storm warning and not just a suggestion. Yeah, and I mean, we're not an area that gets a ton of uh, tropical storms, we're, but we're coastal. Uh, we do get protected a little bit by the outer banks. Uh, sometimes you have things going, but if you have something coming inland, uh, another storm, uh, Irene, that rolled up the coast, I remember, did really hugged the coast more, uh, more Ocean City event, more out towards Salisbury, up towards uh, Dover and Delaware and those areas. but. Um, uh, before I left, Isaias had really did some effects up there, and we had uh, some tornadoes that came because of that, and some pretty good flooding in the D.C. Uh, metro and Baltimore area, just south. Some of those rain bands really brought in a lot of heavy rain, and as we remember, um, it was quite interesting to see that storm have the intensity of it as a as a tropical storm out over the water, how it still had the strength to spin off um, EF2 strength tornadic activity in the Carolinas, North Carolina. So it was pretty interesting to see how much sometimes these tropical storms can have so much effect on a higher populated area, such as like Sandy in New York and these areas. Uh, and that's one thing that we battle with, I think, as on-air meteorologists to try to let people know it doesn't have to be a Cat 5 like Andrew to kill a lot of people or hurt a lot of people, cause a lot of damage. It could be a tropical storm and it creates a lot of damage and it can cause a lot of devastation in an area, a loss of life. Um, so, you know, that whole uh, really making people aware of what's coming and what you can expect is very important. Yeah, I guess sir, while you were there, there was a couple of uh, historic floods in Ellicott City that were just uh, oh, were clusters yeah. of thunderstorms. It wasn't a tropical system at all. So there's probably a, uh, dozens of similar old villages and, and towns up there that have similar uh, terrain setups to where if a tropical storm were to stall in there, you'd have serious problems. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you've uh, been to the Ellicott City area, but that's kind of south and west of Baltimore. Mm -hmm. It's in Howard County, a very beautiful historic town. But the interesting thing about that town, Ellicott City's in a valley. So you have these ridges, I mean, literally, the road works its way down, snakes down through the little downtown section. And this uh, little town is beautiful, just old stone, you know, buildings and facades and fronts. And then it meets, uh, there's a, a little creek that runs under some of the buildings. I mean, they actually, the creek runs under the buildings. You can stand in between some of the buildings and look at the creek going down. On normal days, it's a small little creek. But that creek flows right down into the Susquehanna. And, or excuse me, not Susquehanna, the Jones Falls. And am I saying the right one, Jones Falls? Patuxent. I had to get the right river. Yeah, the Patuxent River. So as it's going down, so many rivers over there. Uh, as it's going 
uh, that meets down there. But when you have a storm where all that water is rushing down into that valley and there's so much things that are built up, there's a lot of areas that are new neighborhoods up at the tops of those hills that there's a lot of uh, uh, water runoff that's happening. And so when that storm came through, I'll never forget that. Uh, I was at work watching those thunderstorms west. We had a lot of humidity, a lot of moisture on that summer day. And the threat was thunderstorms to be heavy rainmakers. So there was a potential for a hazardous weather outlook uh, for heavy rain. And I remember the thunderstorms start popping up west of the city and they just slowed down and sat there and kept training right over that area. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is getting uh, intense because we're seeing two inches an hour rainfall and with, uh, or more, two to three inches because within a couple hour period, we saw seven inches of rain wow. in that spot and right down in that valley. And it filled up like a river, just washing down cars and people, everything. It was just, it was devastating. That amount of rain in that short a period of time is exceedingly uh, low probability that far north, but it can happen. It so, can happen, it happened twice within two years. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, Beaumont got whacked with Harvey and then uh, Imelda two years later. I mean, what's the odds of getting more than 40 inches of rain two years apart on the same rain gauge? It's not calculable. It's so hot, so low a probability. Uh, shifting gears now, you're uh, you're, you're moving from where you get a lot of the, the fast moving decaying storms come by to where you're right under the gun for the big ones in there. Do you, do you, you have a little more sense of urgency on the tropical world now that you're down there? You know, it's a new, it's a new world. Um, it's a different style of forecasting here. So being that I love when I did the snow forecasting, when we had the good old rain snow line along the I-94 corridor, used to make my brain go kaboom from nothing to 10 to 12 inches of snow within a 30 mile period. Well, okay, so we're done with snow down here, but really it's different here with, like we're in the rainy season where we get these daily, and you've lived here, you know, the, the daily convective thunderstorms that just pop up and it can be a heavy downpour, and then you get some wet, uh, severe weather statements and, and then severe weather warning potential, and, and they go and develop quickly, and as soon as they develop, they go away pretty quickly and then they redevelop somewhere else. So it's kind of interesting to see how that develops. You see these on the radar, which is really cool. Uh, these outflow boundaries that meet your onshow flow, your outflow, and you just see something create right in between as you see that convection happen. So it's really interesting watching that on a nice hot day. And actually my view is really good. I live right on the intercoastal where I can see the Atlantic Ocean. Nice. So I'm able to see, yeah, it's a, it's a really great view. So I can see everything from up here on the 24th floor. I have a really good vantage point looking north towards Jupiter and, and Juno Beach and all that. So it's really a great view. Um, so I will watch these thunderstorms just develop or offshore. And I get some great lightning uh, views from up here. I've caught some great pictures as well, but um, it's a, it's a different urgency, like what you said, uh, as far as being weather aware and learning the area so that if there is an emergency, I know when they're talking about a certain evacuation or evacuation route or what we have to do, or what are the things you have to explain to people to make it clear and concise so that they know what to do and how to react. Yeah, it's been, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's probably been a long while since you've had a direct hit of a major hurricane at West Palm. It's, and it's just correct, in my opinion, not meteorological. Uh, I keep go, going back to, I read a book on it a long, long time ago, and I reread it after I went to the Hurricane Center about the uh, uh, tragedy at Lake Okeechobee. 
on the hurricane in the 1920s. And that's probably the, the benchmark disaster. I'm sure Okeechobee falls in your, your, your uh, jurisdiction from your viewing audience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that uh, that was a tragedy back then. Uh, I've read about that. Um, and you are right in this area. It's been uh, about a decade where they have not had a major hit. Now, last year, there was a potential with Maria that just sat there and buzzsawed uh, the Bahamas. Uh, you know, but it was one of those things that made that right turn and just followed the Gulf Stream straight north. And it was a potential that there could have been a major catastrophe. Um, with that going directly beelining right at uh, West Palm at one point. I think there was a, a lot of fear for that to happen. Um, but it looks like uh, definitely, the, the, well, the problem with that, moving here and being a part of the community is that you don't want people to become complacent. So like they get comfortable. They're like, oh, we're fine. We don't like when I did a Facebook Live just uh, about a week and a half ago when we had uh, Elsa going up the eastern portion of the state. Well, Elsa's going up, I'm doing Facebook Live. I said, yeah, it's tropical storm, this and that. They said, oh, it's just a tropical storm. You know, why are we getting so worried about a tropical storm? Well, you know, as a tropical storm can have someone drown. They could, uh, a tree could fall. Well, someone did die uh, near Jacksonville. A tree fell on a car and that it's a tropical storm. It's not an F, you know, F, you know, or EF, or excuse me, not right, a category. I'm talking about tornado. Category four or five, you know, right. tropical storm. So I think some people get comfortable with that. So that's one of our challenges as meteorologists to not alarm or you know say the end of the earth is coming, but to make people aware and give them a good direction of what to do in a clear way, you know. Yeah. Plus, you uh, you had an excellent description of the. Of the challenges of how storm surge operates in the in the complex uh, bay and estuarian system where you were before, uh, you're in a totally different world now, where you have a fairly steep continental shelf and a fairly steep beachhead. Uh, uh, if I, correct me if I'm wrong, but most of your storm surge uh, penetration is within a few miles of the coast. You don't have to evacuate a large chunk of your population. Yeah, it's more the uh, outer island area that will have to come. That's the mandatory, and when they say mandatory, some people can stay, but they have to write their name on their arm. But we're talking about mandatory where people have to move in from the outer areas. So there are those areas that if we're having a particular storm, they have to evacuate from those outer island areas, inlets, and then you get across to inland. Like It's kind of like that I-95 corridor. You, people don't have to evacuate there. Right. Um, unless, but it's optional. You know, people may not want to stay for a horrible storm that's going to come and they're out of power for a week. And I get people are connected to stuff, but stuff can always be replaced. That's what I always say. Yeah. Well, the challenge you got there is there's, it's a long, it's, if you really want to get away from the storm, it's a long haul to get out of Florida. Oh, yes. If, if a whole lot of people that don't need to go are trying to do that, mm -hmm. uh, then, you, then you can, uh, create the gridlock and, and, and deter the people that really need to leave from getting off and out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. There's only a few arteries. I mean, we have I-95, the, the, the turnpike, and basically a couple of routes, you know, like Route 1, and you're going to try to say people can go up north on the eastern side. Then you have I-75 on the western side of the state. And, and that's a challenge for moving millions of people. We have 19 million people down on the southern part of this, uh, this state, and you're trying to move 15 million of them. 
And so the point is, is that you're thinking, how do we get that all done and mitigated in a process that people can do it? You have voluntary, and then you also have mandatory. And and sometimes the people evacuate, they sandbag, they put up it, and then it turns out to be not as bad. You got some power lines down, some trees fall, and they're like, oh, we didn't have to evacuate. But then the next one, it, it may be. It may be the worst situation you come into. I just think that people really need to be aware, educated, and just know what to do. And sometimes it's just best to say, hey, I'm just going to pack and go a couple of days before I can do it. I know there's a lot involved, people working, they have school, they have property, uh, they have medications, they have med- doctor's appointments, but the things are shutting down and things are, hey, it's better to just kind of go north and try to get away from whatever's out there if it's yeah. a bad situation. What do you, what do you think about this? I'm, I've been toying with the thought that so many people have proven they can do their job working remotely. You think that'll encourage uh, more people to pack up and go because they're really not going to miss work. You set up uh, in a hotel far away from the storm and go back to work. You know, that that may be the difference. That that could make a difference because we've been uh, used to working from home for, uh, you know, over a year now, a lot of people. Um, that capability to move away from the office does help. I, I, I think so. That could help. But then I think also people have to be learned detachment from stuff. I think a lot of people are worried about their things. And so they have to say, well, we're happy to just move away from whatever it is and then go. And then we're able to uh, come back and just see whatever it's damaged or if it's okay. I think it's just a mindset and not to be comfortable. Oh, that one missed us. Oh, it looks like it's just going to brush us or it's just rain band. If you, if you have a potential of a bad situation and we're telling you it's going to be bad, you should follow that guidance and, and, and make that move. Yeah, that's good. Well, I'm going to turn, turn the questioning over to Tim or Alex to ask the things that I know nothing about. <laughs> yeah, so that fascinating question. That was good stuff. Anyway, um, you know, I, I, Venus, I can only assume that you're, you know, you saw Phil Klotzbach's forecast for a, an active hurricane season and yeah. said, I need to be a part of that. I need to work some 60 hour shifts. So let me get to Florida as fast as I can. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Playing into your role moves out. But, you know, there's, there's no question that, that, that weather is a huge revenue generator for TV stations, uh, but it can also be a huge expense generator, you know, not to mention the giant contracts of the weather people, but, but the equipment that we need to do. So that gets us to our subject du jour, and that's the big ask. Um, you know, we have a lot of high-end equipment in our weather offices. Uh, we all do. So where do you begin? You know, you, you see something new on the market, something you want or something that you need. You come to a new station. They don't have something you've used in the past. Where do you begin to go to corporate and say, okay, or, or your management and say, okay, this is what we need. This is how to do that. Okay. So, you know, I think it's, it's just being direct and being aware of what the budgets are like. I think that being that I've worked for our, this company that I'm with, Sinclair, uh, that I've worked with them for so many years, I kind of understand how they operate and understand the budgets. So when you look at budgetary spending in a company, you see when they have their quarters and they, they, they pretty much break it down in quarters. So usually if you're getting contract negotiations or you're looking at um, funding for certain departments, like there's a budget for the news department, there's a budget for engineering, there's a budget for um, you know uh, the building itself. Uh, you know, so they're, they have a certain amount of money to work with, even for talent. So if you're on air, you know, there's a budget for a position. It may be this much and there's this much room they have to move within it. So that's with anything. It's like your own when you do your budget for your, uh, your you know, you're doing your budget at home. 
you have so much for grocery, for gas, for your electric, but then you have a little bit to play with to say, okay, we have some room for savings or whatever, but I have some room for spending, you know? So that's the same with just a big corporation. This is in bigger numbers. So when it comes down to asking for things, what I find is that you first look at your needs. So when I came to this department here, there were certain things I saw that were lacking or things we needed. And so I kind of put some things in the mode. I'll talk more about that in a moment. But an example, let's look at a small thing. In Baltimore, I remember our chairs in the weather department were horrible. <laughs> okay, so we're talking about chairs. So just something you sit in is can be a big deal, right? I mean, you're sitting in it all day. You want to be comfortable. You want to walk and get up and you're like stretching your back and like, oh my God, my back hurts after a long day. You should be comfortable. So I remember our newsroom had been remodeled. But our weather office, everybody in the newsroom got new chairs. But in the weather office, we had this old ripped up, you know, thing looked like it fell down the stairs and was drugged behind a car for two hours. I'm like, we we got to fix this, okay? So I went to my new general manager and I remember he had in his office, beautiful chair. He had like top shelf chair. And I just, I just asked, I said, first thing I said, hey, how you doing? Oh, I really like your chair. And he's like, oh yeah, I got this chair, it's nice. And I said, do you mind if I sit in it? I want to see what it feels like. No, no, come around the desk. I came, sat in the chair. I said, man, this is a very comfortable chair. I noticed the newsroom got a lot of nice chairs. And he's like, okay, Vince, what do you want? <laughs> so he knew I was kind of skirting going around the block to get to a point. So I said, well, our weather department, everybody else got new chairs. You have a comfortable chair. We're one of the, the most important aspects of your news. We should be sitting comfortable, not in pain. And he said, okay, just let me know what you need and just order it. So I ordered three new chairs for our department and they arrived and it was great. So I think it's kind of like if you come from an understanding, not abrasive or try to flex, it's just like, this makes sense. And I think knowing you approach somebody that makes sense and it's a doable thing and it helps your department, it's a good thing. So I came to West Palm and like I noticed our weather, a lot of weather areas are kind of integrated with the set in front, like you sit in the studio or sometimes they're behind the studio, kind of behind the scenes, but all the computers are all back there and then you have your weather desk, whatever. Well, in the way it's set up here, unfortunately it's behind the desk and it's kind of crammed. It's like a little corridor where everybody has to sit. And here it is, we got COVID going on and we're trying to space out and there's really no space back here. And I'm thinking, this is unacceptable. There's no way we should be back here. Even though we have a desk out front, you got the green screen over here and the main desk for the anchors, whatever. But everybody in the studio, or everybody in the newsroom have offices or spaces. Well, I just approached my general manager and said, hey, you notice, well, I had him come back and walk around my chair. I'm always involved with these chairs. And so I had him walk around my chair and he could tell it was tight. And I said, could you walk back the other way and take a look at it? And he kind of squeezed behind my chair and he walked back again. And then the point was, is he's, I said, he's like, what, what's the point of it? And I said, do you notice how you're squeezing behind that chair? You have a very comfortable office up front for one person. I mean, it's spacious. You got the couch in there. We have three people back here at times, at, at any time, squeezing in one corridor. We need an office. We need a space. And so we got a space. We are building out. And, and when I, and right now it's in the process. We're building an entire room. It's under construction right now. That, and it stayed under budget. That's the best part. I didn't pay. We didn't pay hardly anything because our station had a bunch of this equipment just sitting around. I went around with a notepad and looked up at a bunch of the equipment that's sitting there. And I saw, oh, monitors here. There's, tele, there's computer. I found out what's there and available. So 
they approved it. So we have lighting in there and, and I made it a user-friendly thing for our Facebook Lives. We can go live in there and add it to what's going on. It's called the StormTrack Weather Lab. So now we actually have a space. The weather team loves it. They've never had a space of their own. It's an official office and it's a fabulous space. So this is an area we have workstations, our max systems are, uh, we have two of them in there tied in with the ones that are behind the set, in front of the set, it's all redundant, it all works and it's gonna be a fabulous addition we're gonna be launching in a couple weeks. And so this is just out of nothing came something and this will always be here for the station to utilize. Same with the weather truck at Fox 45. It took me two years to ask for that and get it, but we did. So it's just the way you do it, look at your budgeting and you just do it in a nice way. I think come across in a positive way and know it's gonna benefit them and the and the community and the team. How do, you, how do you get your news director, your general manager to let you know what that budget is that you get to work with when you, you want that weather truck or you, you want that the new chair, whatever it may be. <laughs> I love chairs. Oh yeah, I got $100,000 sitting here. Go, go for yeah, it. Well, he didn't go for the massage. I wanted a massage chair, but he didn't go for that. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, but you know what? I think it's, it's okay. So like a lot of times when they get a car, they buy a fleet of cars, right? Usually a newsroom will buy Subarus or they buy something like that. They go to a dealership and they usually buy a certain level. And they usually do a trade. Somehow, sometimes they do trades. So they'll do, like on our weather truck back in, in Baltimore, they did a trade where they do a wrap with the Chevy weather, deal, you know, or the Ford something, or this and that, or the storm window something. Like our truck has storm window. We just got a new wrap on our, our weather truck at, at WPEC um, because that sponsorship is done, but now there's a new sponsor that's sponsoring it. And I think somehow that helps pay for some of the things with the truck. So. Um, sometimes they'll do a trade. They give you a car that you put their name on it and you're rolling their name all over the place. And you say, hey, we're in our Chevy Stormtrack weather, you know, weather beast or whatever you call it. And a lot of times you can do that and it reduces the expense for it by a lot or it's even, 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 you know, by putting their name out there. But my budget for this thing that the whole room, I asked my news director, what's my budget? He said, Literally, <laughs> I mean, literally, that's what he said. He said, there is no budget for this. We have to, but my engineer pulled me aside. I said, I got your monitors for you. We, we got these giant monitors in the room. It's beautiful. I asked for four, I got three. So I didn't get my, I first started with two. Then I went back to him. I said, we need one more. He's like, are you sure? And I said, yeah, you got a little change somewhere. He said, okay, I got you. So we got three, uh, you know, so, you know, it's one of those things where you kind of push and move where you can. And you'll see what, but then when they start seeing the fruition, the general manager, everybody's like, this is great. The whole news department's walked in that office and said, this is really cool. I mean, this is a cool spot. And I'm like, well, it's still coming together, uh, but they're really, uh, promotions has got involved. Um, the engineering's got involved, embrace it. And once everybody's on board, they see well, how it benefits the station. It's just not our, I call it the weather grotto, but nonetheless, it's, it's still a big space for everybody. Um, but like I said, that's how you you, you look at Tim. The you, you try to find out if there is a budget. If there's a certain budget they're going to tell you you have to spend, well, you kind of try to come under it. And everything, most everything we took in that room is somewhere already existing in the building. I'd say ninety percent of the equipment. We we just moved into a new set uh, back in October, and I have I still don't have a filing cabinet, <laughs> so, let alone an office. So I appreciate the the insight. Okay. To, it, it, 
So if you guys need to come to your stations and negotiate anything, just let me know. I'll do my best. <laughs> <laughs> come, come on down. Come on down. So, so talk about the big stuff, you know, when, when it's time for a new, you know, I'll say max computer, whatever it may be, when it's time for the big stuff, you know, how, how much planning, how far in advance do you start working toward putting together something like that? Well, I'd say you have to know when your contract's up with your existing company. So if you're with Max or Baron or whatever it is, you got to know your system and what their deal is. So like I've been on team on the team when we went and did a bid purchase for Sinclair with Barron's. I mean, we were looking at Weather Central. I went to I went to Weather Central's co- company. We went to AccuWeather and looked at AccuWeather, which we did have AccuWeather when we first started up. And I also been over to Barron. And so I've looked at what their product is, what they have to offer, what their deal is, what did their box offer. And if there's if there's a clump of stations that their deal is up and another company is offering a builder deal, like anything, you're going to shop for a car, you're going to look for your best price and your best deal. Well, you will and deal, and but as the meteorologist, if you're a chief meteorologist, generally that's going to fall in your lap and you just need to know what is their budget for it. If they're spending this much for this company, but you can tell them, look, we can get in and we, if we purchase this and our other sister station and this sister station purchases it as well, they're going to give us a deal. And over the next three, four years, you're going to see the difference and benefit. And plus we look better in the market or we're doing something different. This offers, you know, we're in Texas, so we're, we have major storms. This offers a great look at hail or flooding or whatever. We're in a hurricane market. How does it help you with that? So how does it benefit the station? How can they market it? Um, Cause it all comes down to money. I mean, they're going to say, well, you know, we're just going to do an upgrade and you're just stuck with an upgrade. Well, that might be the best thing too for you. So it depends on really what the availability is. If you see your quarter is down in that market, sales are horrible and you're not really, and the station's struggling a little bit, you know, you're not going to get something. You're, you're it's just not going to happen, you know? Uh, but if you see that they're flourishing, I say, take the books and, Look, when I negotiate my contract, I just put it out there. I bring the books of what the corporate has put out. Like, what is their earnings each year? I say, look what the company's doing. We see they're doing this, this, and I highlight it. And I say, okay, what you guys going to do? And so the point is, is that I see that most people might not do that and negotiate. I don't need an agent. I talk myself. And so the point is, is if I say, look, if we see, be aware and educate yourself on what the company's doing, what they know they're doing then they can also respond to that, I think. So when they see what's going on, they also are, are educated. They say, oh, he's educated or she's educated. She knows what that is. So I, I, we do have this money maybe to spend for this or that. So I think that's good to know what your company is doing and, and, and your departments, you know. Yeah, good stuff. Fascinating stuff. Let, we need to take a break. Let's, we'll take a break. And when we come back, I want to talk about the – you know, the, the sponsorships within the weathercast itself. Um, so many things now are branded, uh, you know, the, you know, Fred Chevrolet Doppler radar or whatever. So we'll talk about that and, and see if that makes a difference in the ask. So let's take a break. We'll be back to continue the conversation. Blackmagic Design's ATEM mini line of line production switchers makes it easy to create professional broadcast quality programs and multi-camera productions and stream them live to YouTube, Facebook, and more or present live via Zoom and Skype. Simply connect the ATEM Mini and switch live up to eight high-quality video camera inputs for dramatically better quality images. 
All ATEM Mini models have USB that works like a webcam for use with any streaming software, while the ATEM Mini Pro and the ATEM Mini Extreme models add direct live streaming and recording to USB discs. ATEM Mini models start at $295. For more information, visit blackmagicdesign.com. Beach lovers know it. Fishermen and water lovers know it. Little kids and big kids know it. Sandcastle builders, free spirits, and adventure seekers know it. Everyone who's ever been here knows it. South Padre Island is so fun, so perfect, and most of all, so Padre. Plan your escape at SoPadre.com. We made USAA insurance for members like Kate. A former Army medic made of the flexibility to handle whatever Monday has in store and tackle four things at once. So when her car got hit, she didn't worry. She simply filed a claim on her USAA app and said, I've got this. USAA Insurance has made the way Kate needs it. Easy. She can even pick her payment plan, so it's easy on her budget and her life. USAA. What you're made of, we're made for. And welcome back to NTWC Live. We were talking to Vetus Reed from uh, West Palm Beach, Florida. I, you know, my family knows you from Indianapolis when you were there. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I Indiana. feel like we go way back. Yeah, you were in Blue. Where were you again? Oh, at school in Bloomington. Yeah, in Indiana. That's right. Yeah, yeah, in SA yeah. here, Indiana University. There you go. I th- we're not too far apart either. I graduated in '81. When did you go? Oh, okay. I was like in '90. 95, 96. So much younger. So much younger. <laughs> I got a couple grades in here. There you go. I was there when basketball was still good. That's how long ago. Oh, yeah. When Bobby Knight was a teenager. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. Uh, we digress. So so we're talking about you know equipment in the weather office and things like that. And it's not just equipment now. It seems like everything we do has been branded. Uh, everything, everything's got somebody's name on it. You've got a tower cam and that's the, you know, the Toyota tower cam and you've got uh, a radar and it's the Chevrolet radar, whatever it may be. Um, does that play into any of your ass saying this is a way we could generate um, more income when you're asking for something? Oh, definitely. You know, sponsorships are huge. And like I have, you probably have graphics right now. Your, your seven or 10 day or whatever is sponsored. Your logos may have sponsorships. Let's take a look. We have a doctor's office or a medical facility on one of our uh, 10 days for the earlier shows, the later shows. It's a law group that's up there. There was a, a window making company for storm, you know, hurricane windows. We had that on a graphic. Um, our truck had the storm window company. Actually, that was our previous wrap. That's what they had. Now we have a new company that's doing. So yes, indeed, we do have, um, that does play a big role in there uh, because that generates money. And also that you can do trades. Like, well, one thing, if you remember this back in the day, we used to do radio updates all the time, you know, but back in the day, like you would probably be able to get reach out to the local station and say, hey, you want me to do your weather for you? And they paid you on the side. You got paid yourself a separate check. Now, nowadays, most of these stations are doing these trades with the radio and you just get more work, but you're not getting paid for it after or something. It's just kind of what it is. It's just, there's a lot of merging and broadcasting that's happening and you're doing social media, a lot of other stuff. But even with that, I mean, there's a lot of branding that's going on social media, on your, you know, whether it be Twitter accounts, uh, TikTok, whatever you're doing, uh, uh, Facebook, Instagram. Um, but when you're asking for something, indeed, I would say that you'd want, 
if you can get some type of sponsorship for it, that means there's money coming in from an exterior source versus, okay, I want to, I want a brand new, um, I want to get a new brand new camera put on this really cool spot in the city, but a camera is going to cost us, a, you know, $1,500, some brand new car, $4,000, a high def, whatever. And they're, you know, you can get small cameras nowadays. Um, but can we get a sponsorship for it? So such and such, you know, restaurant or bakery or whatever it is, they might want to see their name all the time. Hey, let's take a look over the city right now. We're looking at such and such. And they see their name on it, branded. If that cost may be 100% covered because they're covering that expense. So I highly suggest if you can get a sponsorship, sure. And it also brings in local uh, businesses to be a part of that. Now, is a meteorologist in charge of doing that? Not necessarily. You can pitch it to your sales department. They're the ones generally that are making those trades and creating those things. But you can have a list of potentials and they may follow through with that. You pick, you pick the spot where you want it and then find somebody there to do it. And it makes sense. So right. talk about, you know, and, and I know you're in the kind of in the corporate world. Do you see much difference in these asks, whether you're in, in, you know, the big group that owns a hundred stations or a group that owns one or two stations? Um, do you see much difference in how you make these asks? Yeah. You know, I, I there, it could be different because you have family owned stations. You have these, you know, Dave, I have one or two stations and it's a family owned business. And, you know, uh, it could be a big mega, you know, one of these big uh, companies that own many stations, such like I work for. Um, sometimes you have more stations. Doesn't necessarily mean they're going to have more funds for you. It might be more spread out. And it might even be within that market, a difference of what you can ask for. Just because you're in a big company doesn't mean what's happening in Maine is gonna happen in Texas at Dallas. A Dallas owned station with the same company might not get the same thing that if it's owned in Alpena, Michigan. They might have a much smaller uh, input of how much is available in that market. That's why I say you need to know what's what's coming into the station. Uh, that's important. What What is the actual funds coming in quarterly? Um, because then you can actually say, oh, I know quarterly what the station's earning, what's available potentially for me uh, to be able to ask for. What are my limits? You might not get the Mercedes weather truck, but you might get the Honda weather truck, which is okay. I mean, it's, I mean, it's like, you know, you have a budget. You might, you have to look at what you're available, what's available for you to get. So yes, it makes a difference. Sometimes market size, the, the, how big the station is, how big the news department is, what they put in. Some people have very minimal budgets, they, you know, uh, but it, it, but it's worth asking. And here's the other part. Here's the biggest part. When you ask, what's the worst? They're going to say one of two things. Yes or no, right? So why not ask? You know, Jeff Basil said, can I go to the space? He said yes. And so he did it. He, you know, he did it. In fact, if he's watching this, I'm asking him, can I fly with him on the next one? So why not? I ask if he's going to say yes or no. So, so my thing is like, it's just never be afraid. That's the thing. Never be afraid. It's, we're all human beings. We're all trying to do things and achieve things. But if it better, it makes a better situation for your team or for the people you work with, ask. Because it makes it better for everyone, you know? That's that's great. I love it. I know you got to do something quick on your phone. I'll give you a, a quick. Oh, I did it. I'm in Ruby. While you were talking, you did that quick. I, I, you know, we have to multitask, man. <laughs> and you got to group cool. me. That was quick. 
I can't do that. I have to stop whatever I'm doing when I get on that website. <laughs> you know, I, I did learn something yesterday in watching Jeff Bezos go up is that I don't have to know how to build a rocket to go to space. I just have to have a brother that does. Oh, exactly. That's right. <laughs> so, so I immediately sent text to both, both my brothers and said, when you go to space, you know, I'd like to see next to you. And they, they there both you go. That's said, right. keep in mind. So uh, we've been going for a while here, you know, Bill or Alex, either, either one of you guys have something you want to jump in on this about, because we've been talking for a while, but jump in by all means. Well, I did like the, uh, the request for the office. I think we need one here and I'm making my request based upon what you're saying, <laughs> but, uh, you know, there I'll are send, those send me the blueprints. Hey, send me the blueprints. We can oh. do that right now. Uh, you know, there's some big things and there's some little things. How do you, how do you pick which one you really want to go for other than looking at, uh, budgets and things like that? Where do you, where do you prioritize? Okay, well, I, that's a good question. I, I think that it comes down to really looking at what is the need? What's the most important need? So is the need that you need, say you already have one tower cam and you're, and you're utilizing, and you don't have to own a lot of tower cams. Remember, you can use web networks. There's so many ways to utilize things that you can get camera shots and save money. But if that, say you said, I want a second tower cam, it's gonna cost you, you know, a certain amount of money. But then you said, we need new chairs or a new, a new PC in our, we need new keyboards. It could be just as much as this keyboard. Our printer is horrible in our weather department. Look at what your priority is and what is a low budget, uh, the easiest budget and take care of that. And generally they'll say, yeah, I, I understand that. But you have to bring, I say, bring the general manager back to see it, let them print. Hey, by the way, can you print something off of here? And it's going, yeah, 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 and it working. And they see it, there's an example, they're like, oh yeah, we don't want it, that's pretty bad. So I say put the priorities of what, what your need is first and then what your want is second. Because we all want stuff, okay? I mean, I want a helicopter for our station again, but it's never gonna happen anymore. That's okay, drones are taking over everything. Maybe you want drones, maybe you want a weather drone in your department. Get trained and they, they're not horribly expensive. There, so there's things that, you say, what is the want? What's the need? So take care of your needs first. And if you think, Alex, your team really needs a space, your own weather space where you guys can create that's outside of the weather studio, because the studio I was looking at, not only was it a problem for space, it was a problem for our workflow. And I, you know, you explain that. You say, it's a problem workflow. It's a problem for space. When they're recording the news, news, um, News crews coming here, they're reporting something or they're recording. We have to be quiet. It's time for my Facebook Live. I'm trying to do my Facebook Live like this. I shouldn't have to do that. It should be our own space somewhere where we have, everybody else has an office or a desk. The news department has their area. Weather doesn't have to be a part of the set. The set's for the on-air news going out. We need to have a space where we can create, but not just an office. I make it... When I asked for it, I said, it's not just a place for us to sit. We're using this for on air. We can go on air for this room. Severe weather, hurricane coverage, Facebook Live. We can go on Instagram. We can create things right in here. It's called the Weather Lab. It's a user. Now it's like, whoa, we can use this. So not only did the news director jump on, the uh, general manager, but also our uh, promotions. And this is enhancing something that we have on air. Nobody else, nobody else is doing this in the market. That's the other thing. Nobody else is doing it like what we have. They're all on the set or they're all at their weather desk or at the green screen. We got a, something totally different now, totally different in the market. It's just asking. 
I'm just impressed you have a printer in the weather office. I just. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did, well, it's a die fax machine, really. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wrote down my, my first ask. Printer. Yeah. <laughs> don't have to walk to the newsroom every time you print a sheet of anything. Yeah. Although, who's printing anymore, you know, but, but still. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I hope you've upgraded from the 75 word a minute teletypes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's take another quick break, and we come back, and we'll wrap up our discussion. We're talking about the big ask with Vitas Reed from CBS in in uh, West Palm Beach, Florida. We'll be right back after the break. Beach lovers know it. Fishermen and water lovers know it. Little kids and big kids know it. Sandcastle builders, free spirits, and adventure seekers know it. Everyone who's ever been here knows it. South Padre Island is so fun, so perfect, and most of all, so Padre. Plan your escape at SoPadre.com. Blackmagic Design's ATEM Streaming Bridge is a video converter that lets users receive an H.264 stream from any ATEM Mini Pro or ATEM Mini Extreme switcher and convert it back to SDI and HDMI video. This means users can send video to remote locations around their local Ethernet network or via the Internet globally. ATEM Streaming Bridge is the perfect way to use ATEM Mini Pro or ATEM Mini Extreme as a remote broadcast studio. ATEM Streaming Bridge is available for $245 from Blackmagic Design resellers worldwide. For more information, visit blackmagicdesign.com. Hello, I'm Haskell Moore, and I've been teaching disaster preparedness for over 20 years. And one thing I can assure you is in an emergency situation, the difference between life and death may be a rugged, reliable flashlight. That's why I recommend the Maglite ML300L 4D cell LED long-running flashlight. This light's capable of producing over a thousand lumens and casting a beam over 500 yards, yet in eco mode will run for over two weeks continuous on one set of batteries. And if you act now, enter discount code NTWC, that's NTWC, for National Tropical Weather Conference on the Maglite website, you'll get 20% off everything on the website. That's NTWC on the maglite.com website. Get yours today. NTWC Live. We're talking to Vita Reed from CBS 12 in West Palm Beach, Florida, formerly from Baltimore and Indianapolis and Fort Wayne and, and Michigan. <laughs> it's so good to have All you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and Vita, we go back to the days at the Bahamas Weather Conference many, many years ago. Uh, we were talking before the show about how uh, we were talking about your kids. And I remember when they were you know five years old and they're grown now and, and time goes by. But, but during that time, you've had some great experience, a lot of it in Baltimore, uh, and, and learning to make these big asks and being the person who was asked, I assume, sometimes from stations around the country. And um, any, any final thoughts on, on, on what we've been talking about today, about, you know, you're, yeah. you're sitting in your weather office, wherever it may be, in, in, in Dubuque or in, uh, uh, in Grand Rapids, wherever it is, uh, what do we need to know to go in to make that big ask? Well, you know, I think part of your job is you don't want to always just be the same. 
I think we all like something different. Even in our house, we're like this paint color behind me. I might say, I'm tired of this paint. We painted a different color. I'm done with I'm done with this mirror. I wanted to do a different mirror. So there's th times that we want to see something different or change. Um, I think in our in our departments, what we can do is just kind of dream. First, start off with your dream and look around and just think about what could be better or what has been here for years and it's not working. It just doesn't work right anymore. We thought it worked, but it's not working right anymore. And you write it down you start saying, okay, I got a couple ideas. Then you kind of go back and you say, now let me put it into practice. And if I'm gonna put it in practice, what do I need to do to put it in practice? Well, I need this, I need to reach out to this person, but I don't wanna just go in and say, hey, we need this space and blah, 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 or I need this as a, to say, well, here's what's going on and here's what I think will work. For our community, for our team, and for the station, this will enhance everybody. And so, if it benefits them, and it's on a low budget, then <clears throat> you can keep it low budget. Generally, you're going to probably get what you need. You will get it. And the most important thing we can't forget: weather is the most important thing in that news department. It's the number one reason why people are watching the news. So don't underestimate your power of what you can tell people. This is enhancing, <clears throat> excuse me, our newscast. This is enhancing our weather team. This is giving us a better feel. Like everybody in our, my weather team feels so much better. We have a space. This is really cool. Wow. I mean, the whole building people come by and look at this space. If you can make a difference and everyone's happy, that's what I say. Uh, so then you feel like your job is done. Not only have you met your job of meeting your uh, chief meteorologist or meteorologist morning, doesn't have to be chief. You can have an idea if you're a weekend person and you want to go make a change, go do it. Come up with a plan and put it into action. Love it. Great advice. Great advice. Bill, final thoughts? I love that. I, I love that. Yeah, this is a fascinating conversation. Just one observation, uh, uh, Vetus, I can tell by uh, uh, how you describe what you, you're, you've done and are doing there that you have a real passion for what you're doing, and I love to see that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I really love what I do. And it's more not, <clears throat> excuse me, not about myself, but it's about everybody. It's about everybody. So when I see other people happy, I'm happy. So I feel like I've done my job. So that's really what it's about. Great job. Thanks, guys. Another great program today. We appreciate it. Great stuff. And, and we appreciate that passion, Vetus. Thanks for sharing with us today and talking about the big ask and a lot of other great things in the in the world of weather. And Bill, great questions early on as well. We appreciate that. And uh, Alex, thanks for jumping in as well. So it's a great program today. Again, this is NTWC Live. We want to thank our sponsors who are part of this program week in and week out. The great folks at USAA. Plylox Hurricane Clips and the South Pottery Island Convention and Visitors Bureau. Vitas, I hope we'll see you live in person in 2022 Indeed. on beautiful South Pottery Island. Hope you'll be with us there. We appreciate that. Um, next week coming up, uh, we're going to have uh, Gary Kelly and Mandy Mendoza. Their news directors are going to talk about something we touched on a little bit today. Sponsorships within the weathercast. Uh -huh. News directors are going to jump in on that and talk about uh, how things have changed in that respect. So that's coming up next week. So until then, take care. We'll see you next Wednesday at 10 a.m. on NTWC Live. Thanks for joining us on Hurricane Center, produced by the Storm Science Network and made possible by USAA, South Padre Island Convention and Tourist Bureau, and Plylux Hurricane Clips. You can find other episodes on HurricaneCenterLive.com.